Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick and I'm flying solo today. Just wanted to talk about the Warriors home opener, their 115-113 win over the Clippers. And it was an interesting game. And it's just a reminder that still for these Golden State Warriors, it all begins and ends with Steph Curry. He was amazing in the first quarter. What, he had like 25 points. He didn't miss a shot. And you could tell he had been waiting for this moment. All of his awesome performances last year when no one was in the stands. I mean, he loved having the crowd and he was trying to get them hyped. And he himself was really hyped for a first quarter. Like it was seemingly pretty cathartic for him and everybody was on board. You know, everybody was feeling it, the crowd, the fans, it seemed like, and the team, the bench. And so much so that they basically let go of the rope. It kind of felt like they just got stuck all watching Steph and celebrating Steph. And once they got up by 19, hey, it's over, you know? They may not have thought that in their heads, but it sure looked like they felt that way. I mean, they were rolling, right? The Warriors were up by a ton. And I don't know, Wiggins had barely played. Jordan Poole wasn't having a good game early on. And they brought in Moses Moody. They were already going 10 deep into their bench in the second quarter. And things were looking okay, you know? It's like, oh, Okay, we're going to see some garbage time. And garbage time, as I've spoken before, is something that you want to see a lot because that'll allow the older dudes, the vets, to rest up and give the younger guys more time to develop on an NBA court, right? And it felt like they thought the Clippers were just going to roll. They were just going to roll over. And sure, you know, the Clippers have that reputation from... Well, throughout their history, but also from the bubble when they blew that 3-1 lead to the Nuggets a couple years ago. Actually, that was last year and technically two seasons ago. Weird. But the Warriors just got sloppy. Dumb fouls, turnovers, missed free throws. At the end of the day, they had 21 turnovers. The Clippers had seven. That's insane. And you don't usually win a game where you have a 14 turnover discrepancy. I mean, unless you have Steph on your team. Anyway, this was just a good lesson game. I mean, it's great to learn these lessons and still come out with a win. To be honest, I was like, well, if the Warriors lose this game, it's not the end of the world. Not going to overreact to the second game of the season. You just move on and you figure out that, hey, this team is not perfect. And you figure out how to fix some of these things. But hey, they're 2-0 and and they haven't lost if you include the preseason. So preseason means nothing. But hey, like to be on the winning side of things this much, it's got to feel good. It's got to remind this organization of what it's like to be, quote unquote, winners after two years of mediocrity and losing. But again, you take the long view. These games are about April, May, June. It's about peaking at the right time, about seeing what you have on your roster right now, 
see what you got and stay healthy. You're building towards the end of the season because you're going to have to integrate James Wiseman eventually. And of course, Clay Thompson somewhere in the middle of the season. So you want to collect these wins. I mean, the Warriors schedule gets a little easier in the next week with matchups against the Kings, OKC, the Hornets, etc. But yes, this is going to be a process throughout the season. But you got to give the Clippers some credit. You know, I mean, Ty Lue is, in my opinion, a better X's and O's coach than Doc Rivers. I feel like Doc Rivers is a great communicator and can really rally his troops. Well, <laughs> except for Ben Simmons in Philly right now. But Ty Lue, he adjusted and... I liked what he did against the Warriors. They made it tough on Steph. You know, Terrence Mann is a good young player. He's really physical and he's athletic and he has, you know, young legs. So he was able to chase Steph and run after Steph everywhere. And the Clippers kept switching things, which made it tougher for the Warriors who were already shooting pretty poorly to get clean shots off. And Jordan Poole, he had a pretty bad game tonight. You know, he looked like he was really pressing. And I'll be honest, it looked like the Clippers were anticipating some of his moves. If you think about it, the Warriors had only played in the preseason, the Blazers twice, the Kings once, the Lakers twice, and then the Lakers on opening night, right? So, you know, preseason people don't play as hard, but still you had Russell Westbrook guarding him, who is not a great defender. You had the Blazers' backcourt, which, you know, CJ and Dame, they're not good defenders, the Kings or the Kings. But the Clippers, they pressed up on him, and they didn't allow him to go to some of his favorite moves easily. It was really, really physical. And the game plan for him, you know what I mean? They were like, you saw, like, he had done these in-and-out dribbles and drives from the right side, and they brought help. They stuffed him. And then there was that one play where he got a jump ball. He drove from the left side and Marcus Morris, he grabbed the ball and they got a jump ball. Yes, it could have been called a foul, but they were looking for things that he likes to do, you know, and Bledsoe, Reggie Jackson, man, they were physical. And that's something you react to sometimes, especially when you're younger, by just going harder and faster, like angrier, right? You're like, you're pushed back into a corner. And so you come back fighting, but he'll learn to be smarter. He'll learn not to press. He'll learn not to rush. He'll have to adjust. I talked about this a couple episodes ago that I wonder how long teams will let him do some of these pet moves, some of these favorite moves he has, and he'll have to come up with counters. And in a way, this game showed that, right? Like you're physical with him, you take away his favorite moves, and then what is he going to do, right? He kind of got into foul trouble too and was a little off of his game. He did some good things through that nice alley-oop pass to Otto Porter Jr., but you know, he just wasn't the same guy. Without him, it was a little bit like last season, right, when Steph had to do everything. Aram in Toronto, who's on this show a lot, he texted me and said it felt like a lot like last season, you know, that the Warriors were just relying on Steph because nobody else could do anything. I was like, hey, is Kelly Oubre out there? And if you look at the box score, Nemanja Bielitsa and Otto Porter Jr. did not attempt any three-pointers. 
So the Clippers were taking that stuff away. And those guys didn't really play as much just because of matchup issues. But if you're not even getting them to put up any shots, then that's taking away a couple of the guys that were brought here to create more space, to alleviate Steph's burden. And then without pool, yeah. So that's just something to look at to learn, to analyze, see that when teams are physical with you, how can you get around that? You know, like how can you adjust and make them pay for some of this stuff? That second unit for the Warriors, which I've alluded to with Andre Godala, Jordan Poole, Damian Lee, Otto Porter Jr., and Bielitsa, that's a good shooting lineup, right? But they're not that physical and they're not that athletic and they're a little stiff overall, you know, and that hurt them. The Clippers kind of went after that lineup a little bit. And again, you got to figure out some adjustments. It's like, okay, that'll work against certain teams, but what works better against some of these more physical teams? I haven't mentioned Andrew Wiggins. He started off with two three-pointers, which was really encouraging, but you know, he missed some shots that would have been helpful in the clutch. And I'm just waiting for when, you know, all these guys, especially him, get back in shape, get back into basketball conditioning. But, you know, he still has 17 points, but it felt like kind of a quiet 17, if you know what I mean. You didn't feel his impact on the game, which tends to happen with Andrew Wiggins. But again, like it was one of those scenarios where Steph had it and then no one else did. Not Poole, not Wiggins, not Bielitsa, not OPJ. Moses Moody got some minutes because of I believe Poole's foul trouble. He had like four minutes or so. And yeah, I, I enjoy seeing that guy in the court because he'll always do something right, it seems like. Man, if only he had better foot speed on the defensive end. You know what I mean? I'm sure he could work on that. If Jeremy Lin at some point could improve his foot speed and Steph Curry could as well, then hopefully Moses Moody will. But he has good passing instincts and he's a heady player. And I think... He'll be in the rotation sooner rather than later if things keep going this way. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available yet in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And what was the deal with the court? It seemed like everybody was slipping and it's kind of like whatever until Andre Godala slipped and ended up on the ground and everybody was like, uh-oh, you know, it looked like he hit a wet spot. I don't know if it was sweat. I don't know what it could have been, but man, he was okay. 
But if he had actually seriously hurt himself on the Warriors home court because of wetness, that, I mean, I would have been livid. That would have been totally inexcusable. And to be honest, like they should sit him for the Kings game, for the OKC game, however long it takes, because Andre Godala is there for big games against really good teams. And you want him there available in the playoffs. You want him there in high leverage games that determine seeding. Not saying that you should be super careful with him, but you got to be wise with his minutes. And I would not be surprised if we didn't see him on the court, at least for another game. Heck, give Moody Andre's minutes versus SAC versus OKC. He'll be playing against guys pretty much his own age anyway. And Draymond, you know, in post game, he said that his hand was fine and his hand that he fell on his wrist, actually, it wasn't the reason he missed all those free throws. The dude shot two for nine from the line and, you know, a few of those go in, then this game is not as close. But, you know, maybe he should sit against Sack. Either way, this season is, again, about seeing what you got, building on every game, and making sure that your guys are healthy and you're peaking at the right time. A couple random notes. Yeah, I was surprised by the rebounding. I was under the impression throughout the game that the Warriors were getting out-rebounded. It kind of felt like it, but they out-rebounded the Clippers 53-38. to That's great team rebounding, you know what I mean? Because it looked like they were getting worked by Zubach early on uh, on the interior in terms of defense and rebounding. So that's cool. I really can't wait until Wiseman gets back. You know, I want to see how he does in these minutes, right? The Warriors are establishing they can play pretty well without him. But once you put him in the lineup, how will he help you against some of these bigger, more physical, traditional centers? Also, I I don't know. I just got to say, I don't really like those Warriors uniforms that they had last night. Those throwbacks, those blue, red, gold, white piping uniforms. They look kind of generic, you know, but hey. They're not the Oakland Forever uniforms, and they're not the city uniforms, but yeah, whatever. People will buy them. Now, one thing about the uniforms, when I saw Otto Porter Jr. in that old school uniform, I was like, you know, it kind of looks like Will Chamberlain. Good on TNT for having the Warriors twice on their first two nights of the season. I mean, it's pretty clear that the Warriors are probably... At least to me, I'm biased, but like the number one league pass team, I mean, for everybody else, they got to be like top three, you know, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it got, it got people hyped, you know, and I'm sure it helped their, uh, their ratings. It's also cool to put the league on notice that, you know, the Warriors and Steph are working their way back. And I just want to talk real quick. Congrats to Steph for making the top 75 NBA players of all time list. I'm bummed Clay. Clay Thompson did not make it. Uh, there's an argument to be made for a few people like T-Mac, Tracy McGrady, who I think probably deserves to be on there. I haven't looked at the full list. It's it's kind of a bummer. Hopefully, I guess the next one is in another 25 years when it's going to be the top 100. So we'll see if any of these guys get back on. I do want to say that it's great to see Damian Lillard get on there because we've been in this age of great scoring point guards, great point guards in general, right, in this generation. And it's interesting to see that Steph, Dame, Chris Paul, 
who's a little bit older, but still. And Russell Westbrook made it and not Kyrie Irving. I think that's relatively fair. Chris Paul, Steph, obviously they deserve to be on there. Russell Westbrook, I'm always mixed on that dude. I'm not a huge fan, but he is the career leader in triple doubles. And he does have an MVP. So, you know, a bunch of all-star appearances, blah, blah, blah. But the one that I am really happy with is Dame. And I'm glad Dame got in. And I'm not saying it was him versus Kyrie, but I always felt that Dame was better than Kyrie just overall. Kyrie, yes, great one-on-one player, amazing handles and everything. But I feel like Dame was slept on because he was playing on this Portland team that nobody was around or awake on the East Coast to watch. It's not until like the past two or three years that people have really taken notice and You know, Dame and Kyrie, sure. Uh, I'm not going to argue about talent. Let's just call them equal talent to some extent. Each of them does something better than the other. But I don't think Kyrie is a better player than Dame overall. Whether it's leading your team, it's actually being healthy enough to be on the court. I think Dame beats Kyrie at this point. I mean, since Kyrie hit that shot against the Warriors in 2016 to seal it, you know, he's great. He's a great scorer, great talent, but he doesn't play full seasons. He's always injured. And I think he's living off of his reputation to some extent. And yes, if he's healthy and he's in there, he can still do all those things. But like, it's all potential that we haven't seen since he left Cleveland. When was the last time you saw Kyrie do anything in the playoffs? It's because he's always been hurt. And injuries aren't always a guy's fault. But hey, if you want to be hypothetical, Grant Hill could have been on this list if it weren't for injuries. Anyway. That's just me rambling about that stuff. I'm looking forward to the Sacramento game because I am curious to see this Sacramento backcourt of De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, and then Davion Mitchell off the bench. I watched a little bit of their opening game against the Trailblazers that they won. And I'm curious to see, right? Like this is one of those games where how will the Warriors backcourt do against a quick point guard like Fox? Will we see more... Gary Payton the second, just to slow him down for five to 10 minutes or something. Maybe, who knows? I'm curious to see Davion Mitchell, how he guards Steph and how he guards Jordan Poole. He looked like he was really putting in an effort against Damian Lillard, though, you know, Damian Lillard is Dame Lillard. Anyway, that is pretty much it. I hope you enjoy your weekend. And this has been another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick Epino, E-P-I-N-O, or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time, and go Dubs. Go Dubs.